We did mention Infocom. Quite frankly, we'll probably continue to mention Infocom for the next four weeks. Uh, the 14th through the 16th of June is when that show happens. Uh, you can go to infocomshow.org. If you're not registered, you can use the, hash, the, the, the super secret code AVNation. It's not secret. It just gets you a free pass. Um, my day job is I, I run marketing for CTI. You can use that one too. Uh, we, uh, CTI part, uh, we have a booth, 4101. Uh, and now I can officially say CTI is doing a $10,000 giveaway at Infocom. It's only for end users, uh, AV integrator, uh, uh, in-house integrators, specifiers. If you are at the front lines of, uh, of the AV industry and in uh, high, higher ed, wherever, come by the booth and they'll tell you how to, how to win that. That is fascinating, Tim. I think it's a brilliant idea because uh, those of us integrators that service the construction market, we give away $10,000 every day. See? <laughs> See? Oh <my> <laughs> See, Laughlin? I told you it was a good idea. Vindication! On this episode of AV Week, Hudley moving to dealer-only sales, the challenge higher ed faces, and the OLED wars are over. Maybe. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 613, recorded Friday, May 19th. 2023. Get off my lawn. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. I am really excited about this week because it's almost like old home week. A bunch of old friends have gathered together. First and foremost, Kelly Perkins. Uh, you know her, you love her. She is from The Farm AV. Welcome, ma'am. I'm so excited. Uh, also with us is Mr. Brock McGinnis. Um, he is from Nationwide up in ye old Canada. Welcome, sir. Hello, Tim. I am also excited, but perhaps not as excited as, as Kelly. Nobody <laughs> is excited as Kelly. I got to try and be as excited. I hope so. Uh, and last but not least, a young man that I met many, many years ago. Uh, he's been in the industry for, <laughs> Brad's like, yup, many years ago. Brad Grimes, uh, who's been around the industry uh, forever and a day and, and done several things, but now he's working for Griffin 360. Welcome, sir. Uh, good to see you, Tim. Thanks uh, for having me on. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, he's the only person on this on this call that I can say go Bears too, and he might agree with that. So I would. I would. So, uh, not uh, cautiously optimistic is how I'm I'm putting this. So the Bears thing, not the, the anyhow. All right, first story comes to us uh, from our friends over at um, AV Network. Dr. Micah Shippey, uh, a renowned expert from Samsung, uh, he's right. He wrote in a current in a blog on AV Network about the current challenges faced by the higher education sector. Uh, he's focusing on technology integration uh, and the ways that that can help that sector. Dr. Shippey emphasizes the need for universities to adapt to the rapidly evolving digital landscape. He highlights the importance of providing accessible and inclusive learning experiences, leveraging data analytics for personalized education and ensuring cybersecurity measures, uh, making sure that those are in place. Brock, we'll start with you on this. Take a look at higher ed, take a look at our friends at HEPMEF, take a look at ETC. What are the current uh, higher education landscape, the current higher education AV pros facing today? So I think there's two parts to that. Uh, one is from a, uh, 
a facility or or institution perspective, I think a lot of them are stuck with stuff they bought at the beginning of the pandemic and uh, rushed into service and the money's been spent and they're now begging the institutions to come up with the cash to do it right. Uh, they did it fast mm. and they did it cheap, but uh, a lot of them didn't do it right. The second part of it is on the doing it right perspective, uh, distance learning sucks. And um, uh, the, um, the technology needs to shift. And I found it a really interesting article because it, it seemed to focus on interactivity. Um, the uh, uh, distance learning sucks to an extent because of technology, but a lot of it is because of the pedagogy. I think that's the word. Um, the way that the instructors have actually learned how to instruct is live and in person uh, and where they can make eye contact and, and interact on an individual basis with students um, uh, as and when required. And they're really having challenges doing that when they've got 30 little faces um, or 130 little faces in front of them on a screen. And so um, I don't have an answer for that, uh, but uh, having sat in a number of online uh, classes and, and certainly uh, seen one of my sons go through that experience, man, there's a lot yet to learn and to do. Kelly, same kind of question is, is where are they, what are they facing and, and what are some of the ways that AV can help solve some of those challenges? Well, I think kind of springboarding off Brock, like distance learning is so boring. <laughs> Staring at a screen. I mean, I just went through some training this week, probably about 10 hours after work, just sitting and watching video after video. And it was funny, but it's still like, I don't, I don't know how people do it. Like I literally sat there and I'm like counting down the clock, trying to pay attention, trying not to do like 10 million other things while I'm doing that. And then I get distracted and it's just like, blah. So I think as Brock said, like interactivity is huge. Figuring out a way to keep the folks, you know, on the far end engaged, I think is really important, whether that's through games, whether that's through, I'm, honestly, I don't, I don't know. And I think, you know, Brock said there's so much technology that went in, you know, pre pandemic or during the pandemic that there's just all this gear sitting there that people don't know how to use. People don't know what to do with it. And I think we're kind of at that turning point, especially in higher education of, okay, we need to make this shift and this pivot, you know, and what, what is that going to be at, at this point? And I don't know. I just can't sit through any more online trainings. All right. Grimes, are you, are you, is, does distance learning suck? Well, yeah, but um, <laughs> uh, to me, the most interesting that higher ed faces right now is that fewer people want to go to higher ed. I mean, enrollments are dropping, and I don't know if that's a temporary thing. I don't know if it's a, a short-term economics thing, um, if it's a post-pandemic thing, but enrollments you know, continue to go down. Um, which means I think higher education institutions need to continuously prove their value. I mean, we know what people this age do like to do, like to dance around on TikTok or something. I mean, there's a lot of things. You know, they're engaged with technology. I, don't, I didn't mean to, you know, that, that was... I just pictured you dancing on TikTok. It, it sounded a little bit get off my lawn there, Grimes. 
it was shorthand for their their uh, their tech native. Yeah. Um, so there's an opportunity um, in higher ed to redefine the value to, and it's a lot of what enterprises companies are trying to do now too is to make um, these offices that they've built out places people want to go back to. Um, I don't. I don't. And the get off the lawnish thing about me is I don't know that hybrid or remote work is is the long term solution to a lot of the things that that we're facing right now. Uh, I still think there's a ton of value. I mean, if I were back on a team, I think I'd I think I'd hike down to Fairfax or wherever I would be again, and I would be in person with a bunch of people and and ideating and whatever words we're using now for for doing productive work. Um, and in higher ed, I think that they're facing that too. And to me, technologists are in a position to help them sort of redefine the value of learning at the higher education level in a space that's engaging, that you know speaks to their you know you know their more tech savviness. Um, so that, to me, that's that's the biggest challenge: is getting people reengaged in higher education. So I'm, I'm going to ask an overarching question here to, to all three of you, and any of you guys can, can respond to this. Brock and Kelly both were like, you know, distance learning sucks. It might be a personality thing, right? And I'll 100% agree with this or, or cop to this. I am naturally an introvert. And don't, you can at me if you want, Tim at Aviation.tv, but I am naturally an introvert. It doesn't mean I don't like people. It just means the way that I learn, the way that I engage with, you know, my, my energy level. I prefer distance learning, right? I think it's I think it's the most wonderful invention in the last fifty years, because what Kelly described as being monotonous, I I thrive on, right? Uh, you know, in in my day job, and I'm in the process of learning a new um, a, a new marketing automation platform, and my experience with the previous one, they had videos and they had interactive tests and they had quizzes and they had wait, and this one is nothing but reading. Like it's nothing but just reading. It, it's it's boring and it's it's dry. I prefer the distance learning thing. Is this is this personality driven? Is this learning? Uh, Chuck Espinoza, right? Uh, used to work for Avixa. Used to teach, uh, instructed Avixa. He would he would craft his content based on what type of learner you were and when you came into the classes that he was at. Right? If you were an, a tactile learner or you needed interaction, he would put you closer to the front of the room. If you didn't need that and you were more kind of reading or, or, or auditory, he would put you towards the back of the room. Is this more type of, of, of learning? And I just happen to have two people on the call that, that, that need you know personal connection? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, for the record, I'm an introvert too, and I would still rather be in a classroom or in the office but that could be the get off my lawnism of me because you know I've that's that's what I was used to. I, I don't think that I would learn well from a distance, um, and it, it may not be the introvert extrovert thing. It may just be a different you know way of engaging or, or yeah. accomplishing things. I feel like I accomplish things better with people in a space, even if I'm uncomfortable <laughs> being well, around. And, all and the I people. do too, right? I, I love having folks in, in the office, I love, uh, you know, half of my team is remote, right? Um, and so I really, I, I do get jazz when, when we get together, right? There is that aspect, but personal learning, I guess. is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, uh, my retort to that is I, I'm actually commenting on uh, having watched my son during the pandemic uh, down the hall. 
and the difficulty that his instructors had engaging him in the lesson plan. I, I'm a, I'm a huge consumer of information and I do that as an individual sport. That is not a team sport. And in fact, sitting through a lecture, um, is, uh, particularly now that we have phones, I, I can't imagine an in-person class and only doing one thing at a time, um, would be excruciating, but, um, but the ability to engage and, and, um, if, if a teacher says, you know, Hey, Grimes, um, click on these boxes for, for like a poll, click on these boxes for, for your opinion. And, you know, Kelly, um, uh, what do you think about that? So that's learning, that's engagement, that's involvement. And, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way that it's being accomplished now, or distance learning is being delivered, there's very, very little of that um, that's uh, uh, that's involved. So, um, my two cents. All right, AV can't help that. <laughs> Kit from AV Magazine, Hudley has announced a significant change in its sales strategy. Starting July fifteenth of this year, Hudley will exclusively sell its products through authorized partners. This move aims to quote unquote, enhance customer experience and ensure that users have access to genuine Hudley products. Supported by the company's renowned, uh, renowned expertise and technical assistance, uh, the article delves into the reasoning behind the decision, highlighting Hudley's commitment to maintaining high product quality standards and delivering top-notch customer service. By transitioning to an authorized partner model, Hudley aims to foster strong relationships with trusted resellers. Kelly, I'll start with you on this. Uh, Hudley had been available through almost you know, in the market, uh, so higher education, you know, tech managers, you know, IT folks from, from wherever could get them. Now they're going through dealers. What does this mean to those end users? Are there a lot of disingenuine, disingenuous products being sold from them? Well, just like every tech company, they've got counterfeits on the market, right? That you could have gotten through an online retailer, um, that's one of those areas where I mean we, we've done several stories in the in the past year off the top of my head you, we had a story from Sennheiser, Sure, and QSC, right? Yes. Where okay. you were able to buy it on an online from an online retailer and you get it and it's not like like the Q is a K or something I don't know uh, in QSC, right? So they're they're certainly counterfeit products. That's one of the parts of this story. The other part though is is the way Hudley is is couching this is, hey you're going to get it through an authorized dealer. That dealer is giving you service, support, the ability to, you know, help you with design, the, help, the ability to help you with, with in, integration, as opposed to you buying it from a, an e-retailer and you're on the hook to doing it yourself. On one hand, I think it's really cool because, you know, the dealers get first grabs at it and, you know, they can make some margin on it and make sure that it's designed into the design correctly. But on the other hand, it's not, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but Hudley's a camera, and you can get cameras everywhere. <laughs> and they're not that hard to put into an installation, are they? So for me, it's like if you had a control system or something that was actually difficult <laughs> to integrate into a room, having an authorized reseller or a dealer, you know, being in charge of that, 
you know, helping make sure that it actually gets into the room correctly, that it's being used correctly, that everything works together correctly is really important. So if you're selling like Crestron or QSIS or whatever that may be, but to me, a camera is a camera is a camera is a camera, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Grimes, uh, what does this mean to, to end users or what does it mean to the dealers? I think Hudley, if I'm not mistaken, has good relationships with with some some good AV brands out there. They've They've gone to market with you know, Crestron and a bunch of good AV brands. You know, I don't know the inside uh, of, of their story, so I have to take it on face value that they looked at this and this is a, you know, a fairly strategic uh, move on their part. You know, they maybe weren't moving a lot of product through Amazon anyway. Um, I, I happen to like, you know, the VARs in this industry, you know, more so than um, then in the, for instance, IT industry, it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, AV professional type group. We, we have really good resellers, uh, really good, um, dealers in the AV industry. And a lot of them have really strong relationships with companies like Brox and, and a lot of the other integrators that would take these products. So I, I feel like, you know, yes, it's a camera, but you know, everything that goes around it, the value in a value added reseller is more important now to me than it ever has been before, um, because we're always out there trying to prove again, the value of AV uh, systems. Um, so I, you know, it, it's clearly they looked at this and they said, this, this is a move and, and they've got experience or the, the executive in the, in the story has experience creating these programs. So um I think it puts them in a good position. Yes, there's a lot of cameras out there. A lot of cameras can be doing this, but this person, this company, Hudley, now is going to go to market with some some good partners, um, and the end users they're selling to, I would guess, already know how to find solutions from resellers and from integrators. Um, so, so the the products will get where they need to go, and they'll get integrated well. Brock, I'm going to bring a story that we did probably two or three weeks ago on, on AV Week, Samsung, in contrast, rolled out a B2B online store where customers in, in Europe right now, customers in Europe can purchase Samsung displays directly from Samsung. This is the exact opposite of that, right? Where Hudley is saying, no, no, we're going, we're going through the channel, we're going to the dealers. What compare and contrast those two philosophies to me and, and what that means to the dealers? I don't want to sell Samsung. I want to sell Hudley. So from a pro AV channel perspective, um, uh, you know, once upon a time, uh, we were uh, as integrators, we were dealers for one or two projector brands and it was special. I remember the day we secured our Christie dealership and we were ecstatic because we could buy this direct instead of having to buy it from another direct Christie dealer. And um, uh, that made us attractive to certain customers and that made us qualify uh, to respond to certain kinds of, of uh, tender opportunities. And it was a, it was a big deal. So, I'm not sure um, Hudley is quite that level of product, but uh, Kelly, what what's the what's the kind of camera you wear on your head when you go skiing or surfing? Like a GoPro? There you go. There's a brand. That's not just a camera. That's a brand. And Hudley yeah. thinks they have a brand, and they're special. 
and I have to agree with them that they are special. Um, and that, uh, and Crestron, who bundles uh, uh, Hudley cameras with their systems, had yeah. 10 million cameras to choose from, and they chose that one. And, and I think Hudley has said, okay, um, if we are going to differentiate ourselves from everybody else in this marketplace, we need evangelists. We need people who believe in our product, people who are going to take our very special little product. And, and now that they've got AI capabilities uh, within that L1, they are a very special product and it's tiny and it's elegant. It's designer approved. Uh, like it, it looks the part of something that's special. And I, I um, have not been a Hudley evangelist, but I'm about to become one. Uh, and we have a uh, meeting that was booked, oh, maybe yesterday um, with Hudley at Infocom. Uh, specifically in response to this kind of a uh, an announcement, because I just looked while we were talking here, and I can still buy Hudley on Amazon. And frankly, I don't want to sell anything people can buy on Amazon, or from CDW, um, you know, or any of the other non-value-added resellers in our marketplace. So hooray, like hooray for them for trying it. They may fall flat in their face, um, but I'm not sure there's a lineup at the door, you know, at TD Cinex and Ingram and others to to uh, to buy their product anyway. So let's do it. I, I want to ask a question here, Brock, so you can help the, the folks that are our end users listening define this for them. When you say, you know, you'd rather sell Headley than, than Samsung because of, of that relationship, help folks understand, well, if, if I can just buy it, right, if I'm, I'm a tech manager at, at, you know, my old college, you know, why wouldn't I want it through CDW? Why wouldn't I want it through Amazon? Why would I want to buy it from Nationwide or, you know, AVISP? Um, so part of it is the, the investment of uh, investment in demonstrations. Okay. Um, and in system design, I mean, cameras are not all cameras. Um, there's USB 2.0 and there's USB 3.0 and 3.1. And, uh, you have to make that camera work with the rest of the, in the infrastructure that you've got going. Um, th there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of knowledge transfer. And so for the people at your former college that they're, um, they're professionals, they, uh, they know what they want. Um, and you know, for them, uh, they should be able to, uh, you know, uh, should be able to buy um, without paying an exorbitant markup associated with services, with the value add, because they don't need much of that value. They have the ability and, and manufacturers will market to them directly and they will educate them directly. And that's okay. Um, and for the 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 B two B television consumer, you know, if they can't differentiate between one TV and another TV, for them to be able to go online at a B two B place um, and and buy it at a price below uh, what allows me to put food on my table, um, God bless them, right? They, that's it. But if I'm going to go out and design a room and uh, 
you know, and do the field calculations and do the light calculations and, and uh, you know, set up a, a test fit uh, in our facility for someone to come and have a look at and, and experience that. Um, I'd rather not make three or four percent margin because um, it's just a camera. All right. Next story from The Verge. Uh, in a fascinating development for the television industry, uh, speaking of TVs, unexpected collaboration between Samsung and LG. Two leading giants known for their first competition have reportedly struck a deal whereby Samsung will be acquiring OLED TV panels from LG. This surprising partnership marks a significant shift in the market dynamics as OLED technology has been a crucial differentiator for LG. article goes on uh, to talk about the reasonings behind it. Uh, they're kind of speculating on some of them, including Samsung's desire to meet the growing demand for OLED displays and LG's capacity to supply high-quality panels. Mr. Uh, Brad, talk about this for a second. And what does LG, basically making most of the OLEDs in the world, mean for LG? What does it mean for Samsung? What's it mean for the industry? I mean, I don't, I don't know that they make most of the OLED panels in the world. When you combine LG sales and Samsung sales, that, that's where I got that number. Is most of the OLEDs sold, right? Well, as long as someone can make the panels, that's great. At the, at the end of the day, it's the TVs, you know, that, that go into rooms and, and stuff like that, that, that really matter. And, and those won't always be Samsung or LG or even Sony OLEDs. Um, I don't know what the, what the price premium is on OLEDs still these days, Brock, maybe, you know, but, um, you know, it's still, there's always room for a high end. I don't want to say panel because that's getting into the components, a high end yeah. TV, a high end display. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, um, that, Samsung will be able to offer TVs in the in the market, and there'll be a there'll be some variety there. I guess you know it's you know strike while the iron's hot. If 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 there is a market for OLED screens now, let's let's get a bunch of them out in the market. Uh, you know wherever it is in 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 great conference rooms in beautiful lobbies, wherever it happens to be. Um, you know the time will come. The Chinese manufacturers will start to produce larger OLED panels and you know then the price pressure in that market will be what the price pressure became in in LCD uh, th this you know display technology moves moves really fast and um, uh, I, we're not a commodity yet so sell as many of these things as we can I don't know what the market is like and how many people are buying OLEDs um, I, I know that's it's obviously yeah it's obviously better than it was um, yeah, because there's always there's always there's always room for a high end experience, um, but what this means short term, I, I don't really know. Brad, I've been waiting for a, an affordable OLED for twenty years, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have been uh, Don Mead, who is is on this program from time to time. She and I have been like, like we're we're two peas in a pod when it comes to OLED. I I freaking love it. I I do think it is the next best thing to a plasma display. And and those of you kids that are yeah. in the tw in your twenties, go 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 Wikipedia. And the that. delta the delta at sixty five inches is um, double. Wow. Well, it's not as much as I thought it was going to be. So, um, and depending on the brand too. I mean, Sony has an OLED that is freaking gorgeous. That is hundred thousand more than double. Um, but okay. but you're you're paying for the batch. You, you can get an OLED at a box store here in the States, right? For about two, $3,000. Yes. 
Right. So uh, uh, just before Christmas, I replaced a 55-inch OLED with a 65-inch OLED hanging over my fireplace. And um, because uh, we did renovations and I could fit a bigger TV. Um, and uh, I essentially bought the same TV that I had five years ago when I first bought an OLED. Um, but I had uh, bought a 65-inch uh, Sony uh, LCD uh, for Junior uh, for his gaming room in the basement uh, about six months prior. And my OLED at a significantly discounted price was double what I paid at Best Buy for uh, for Junior's uh, 65. So anyway, the Delta is double. Um, I'll shut up now. I think it's Kelly's turn to talk. Kelly or Brock, either one. What, what does it mean for the industry and, and what's it mean, you know, for, for OLED display, you know, in, in the market? Just the idea that they're converging. I mean, I don't know. I feel like everybody... So it's, it's the old adage of putting all your eggs in one basket. T to Brad's point, though, ch the, the Chinese manufacturers are coming down the pipe with with some some discounted ones but right now it feels like right with lg and samsung coming together we're putting an awful lot of eggs in lg's manufacturing basket so if something happens with lg we're we those of us who love oled are screwed <laughs> so my perspective my perspective on this is a little different so okay. most of the panels have been small in the oled world 65 it is about as as big as it got but 65 isn't small brock no 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 but they're talking the panels they're talking about in the article are for 73 and 80 some inch oled panels yeah what i think has happened is that there is an extraordinary investment involved in um uh, tooling up uh a line to produce panels that are are 50% larger than have ever been made before. This happened once before in our industry. Um, when Sharp uh, all of a sudden came out with an 80-inch LCD panel um, that nobody else could touch, right? The, that was the plasma era, and, and uh, a huge TV was 70 inches, and all of a sudden the brilliant engineers at Sharp decided that they were going to make, they could produce an 80 inch, um, whatever the width of that, uh, of that LCD panel is. And it was revolutionary. They didn't have a partner. And as a result, in order to hit the volumes that they needed to justify the production line, they took the price of 80 inch TVs from $10,000 to $5,000 in a heartbeat. Um, and the, the whole large, like TVs became cheap, um, big TVs, which was great for the consumer, uh, even though it wasn't a particularly wonderful picture. Um, my guess is that, that LG has decided that the market, there is a market for larger TVs, but they needed to mitigate their risk a bit um, and make sure that they had another outlet because the Korean companies are competing to the death with the Chinese manufacturers. And it's yeah. like us versus them. And why don't we take, you know, I'll take some of your best stuff in this and you take some of my best stuff in that, which is the way that the, the Japanese Keiritsus had, had worked for a long time, uh, working together uh, in the face of a common 
um, competitor or a common enemy. So that's my perspective. I have no idea if it's true, but you heard it here first and it's a really good story. I think what's interesting is what happens, I think it alluded to in the story, what the uh, the QLED market is. I mean, is that the, the intimation was that they're throwing in the towel on, on and I, I don't remember seeing a bunch of QLED that I, that I really liked, but I, it feels like that was the middle ground. You know, we had we have the low end Chinese LCD panel, the TVs. We have the high end OLED panels. You know, where's the middle ground? I'm not I'm not going to buy the I'm not going to buy uh, you know Brock's OLED TV, and I'm also not going to go buy a seventy nine dollar you know five hundred and fifty inch you know LCD, uh, which is complete you know misspeak, but. Um, but I don't know what the middle ground is anymore. You know what, and and does there not need to be, or is OLED going to rush into that middle ground? Speaking as someone who loves OLED, I hope that's what happens, right? I, I'm going to get Kelly the, the last one on this, but I hope that is exactly what happens and what this partnership means. Because to Brock's point, LG needs a little bit of cover on the back end as an outlet to sell more and more panels, because economy of scale, the more you produce, the more the more you sell, cheaper it is to produce, right? So I honestly hope, Brad, that that middle ground is made up of OLEDs, right? That, that would be fantastic. Now, we're sitting here three, four weeks outside of Infocom. We don't know what somebody may be cooking in the background that they're just going to unleash on us in, 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 in Orlando, right? So it's a little bit, you know, it's a bit unfair for me to ask this question right today because, again, in four weeks, who, who knows? Well, doesn't – I mean, it seems like, I don't know, especially with displays, like the faster they come out, the more they partner, just the faster the costs go down, right? So, I mean, for you guys, it's a good thing, I would imagine. Um, I'm, I'm not super picky about my displays, personally. <laughs> yeah. It just, it seems like the market is flooded with all of them. So it makes it really hard to decide for, you know, which applications, which ones need to be used. And I think going back to what you said earlier, that's, what the integrator and what our industry is for is to help pick those out. So people like me aren't going out and buying a crappy L, you know, LED display when there should be a double the price OLED display. Um, a good case in point will be at Infocom because there there will be 150 direct view LED manufacturers there who don't have a brand name and are desperately mm -hmm. trying to establish a brand name and a point of difference and a point of preference and and we can't we can't tell them apart any more than a consumer can tell TVs apart walking into uh, walking into Best Buy and so they buy a Sony because they like Sony brand or they buy a Samsung because that's what their phone is or you know it it's um and and I get that confused walking by uh you know walking the the LED aisles as to my clients. All right. But that's why we have Infocom. We'll talk about that in a second. Thank you all so much. Uh, Kelly Perkins, how do people connect with you or The Farm AV? Uh, TheFarmAV.com or Kelly at TheFarmAV.com and all over the socials. All right. Mr. McGinnis, thank you, sir. How do people connect with, connect with you or Nationwide? Uh, people could find me. Uh, I'm Brock at NationwideAV.com. Um, I'm Brock McGinnis on Twitter. I hang out on, uh, on LinkedIn a bit. And uh, of course, every month or so, I'm here. They can find me right here on AV Week at avnation.tv. That was 
Very well done. Very well done. Uh, Mr. Grimes, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you all. Thanks for uh, this has been great. It's been a while since I've been on the AV week, so it's uh, has been a lot of fun. These are these are great folks, everybody out there. So uh, enjoy. How do people connect with you if they, if they are so inclined? They can, you know, I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Um, feel free to connect with me there. Uh, drop drop AV week in your uh, in your request. Otherwise, I might uh, think you're just hounding me on uh, LinkedIn. But uh, uh, I do reply there. All right, very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters because uh, I'll be talking about the Bears um, and, and, quite frankly, Infocom in about four weeks. Uh, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. We did mention Infocom. Quite frankly, we'll probably continue to mention Infocom for the next four weeks. Uh, the 14th through the 16th of June is when that show happens. Uh, you can go to infocomshow.org. If you're not registered, you can use the hash, the, the, the super secret code AVNation. It's not secret. It just gets you a free pass. Um, my day job is I, I run marketing for CTI. You can use that one too. Uh, we, uh, CTI part, uh, we have a booth, 4101. Uh, and now I can officially say, uh, because the lawyers said I could, uh, CTI is doing a $10,000 giveaway at Infocom. No, Brock, you can't win. And no, Kelly, you can't win. It is, oh, no, Brad, you can't win either. Um, it's only for end users, uh, AV integrator, uh, uh, in-house integrators, specifiers. If you are at the front lines of, uh, of the AV industry and in uh, high, higher ed, wherever, come by the booth and they'll tell you how to, how to win that. Uh, and now I have to tell my boss that I'm giving away 10,000. That is fascinating, Tim. I think it's a brilliant idea because uh, those of us integrators that service the construction market, we give away $10,000 every day. See? <laughs> See? Oh See, Lachlan? <laughs> I told you it was a good idea. Anyhow. Uh, but yeah, 4101 is where we'll be on that uh, for Aviation. Go by the website. Aviation.tv. That's Aviation.tv. Thanks so much, for, so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. 